0: I am here once again with Dr. Frank Hazel, who is one of two authors of this quarter's Sabbath school lesson. Nice. He wrote it with his cousin. That's correct. Uh, Michael Hazel, who is a professor at Southern Adventist University, my former professor. Loved him in Hebrew and Old Testament, which I took. And if you haven't watched our previous uh, lessons, mm-hmm. and also the introduction, because yes. in the introduction, uh, Frank talks a little bit about his relationship with Michael, and how they went about writing the quarterly mm-hmm. together, and so I'd encourage you to go back and watch all of those. You can get them at the Spencerville Church YouTube page, you can get them at the Spencerville Church Facebook page, and I've actually heard that there are going to be other places as well. Uh, Melody Mason wrote me and told me they're going to be on the Revival and Reformation mm-hmm. page, and mm-hmm. so... People are grabbing these up and wanting to have them. And so, but we're, we're glad to have you here with us. And I hope you've been studying your lesson. We don't just want you to come and watch these videos because we cover certain portions, but we can't do justice to the whole thing in the half hour time that we have. And so I encourage you to study your lessons on your yes. own and, and so that you're feeding your, your own self. And today we are looking at the Bible, the authority source of our theology. But before we do that, I want to ask uh, Frank to have a word of prayer for us. Yes. Gracious
1: God and Father in heaven, we ask your presence now as we talk about your word, the Bible. Let us understand what it means that your word has authority for us and how we can react to that. And we invite your presence through the Holy Spirit that you will guide our thinking. And the the things we say, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. So we are looking at the Bible, the authoritative source of our theology. And I want to read to you something that I wrote down. And I actually wrote it down based on last week's uh, quarterly lesson. But I think it applies to this week as well. And it's this idea. If the Bible always agrees with me, then I'm probably interpreting the Bible wrong. Because I'm sinful, <laughs> and I'm imperfect, but if the Bible somehow always finds itself into agreeing with my theology, then I'm probably interpreting the Bible wrong. The Bible is to be the source of our theology, not the agreeer of our theology, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's how. Yeah. That's how, how it should be. And well, I if, love, if, if the ahead. Bible
1: If the Bible always agrees with you, then you are the norm. And not the scriptures.
0: Oh, great. And, yeah, that's great. and
1: if the Bible always agrees with you, it doesn't give you really an opportunity to grow.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because uh, growth takes place only when there is something that is beyond yourself.
0: Yeah. I, I like that. You know, I, I hear stories from people. Well, I study and I studied, and I, you know, I, I kind of just finally realized that this is just the way it is. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> You studied to the point that it came to agreement with you, and so, Mm -hmm. uh, and you gotta be very careful with that. In this lesson, I like the way you guys lay it out. Uh, You and Michael laid it out tradition, experience, culture, uh, reason, and the Bible. And you say all of these things play a role in our interpretation or our development of our theology. Yes. All of them. Now, I'm gonna give away the ending. (laughs) <laughs> the Bible is to be the highest authority, but they all play a role. They all play a
1: role because we are created that way. We are created as thinking people. That's how God has created yeah. us. We are created as people who experience different emotions and, mm-hmm. and things in life. And We are created um, to have traditions mm-hmm. that uh, will guide us in our, with our past and uh, the values that are important to us. And so all that plays into role, the culture in which we live uh, affects our interpretation of, of scripture. We, we, we usually like to say, we just go by the Bible alone. Yes, that should be the ultimate norm, the highest, the final the norm, ideal. but uh, all these other factors are, are in place in every theology, even the Adventist theology. Yeah. And we have to be uh, aware of that, otherwise we'll miss out on, on some things that influence our thinking. In fact, you know, you could, you could even go into Christianity at large. Mm-hmm. There are some Christian communities where tradition is the highest and final norm. Mm-hmm. And you have churches like the Roman Catholic Church or the Orthodox churches or even maybe Anglican. The, Ang- the Anglican Church. You have um, other communities of faith where experience is the highest norm. Uh, perhaps with uh, charismatic. some charismatic and Pentecostal churches. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, some faith communities where reason, thinking, is the highest norm. And that usually you find... An, Places, uh, what we call more liberal theologies, mainline churches, you know, know, mainline churches it. where uh, miracles and and other things that are not reasonable to us human beings, are excluded or mm-hmm. or not acknowledged as as true, and so we see that the the relationship that we give to these different sources, mm-hmm. and uh, the question, what is the highest and the ultimate authority? Yeah significantly shapes the outcome of uh, even a faith
0: community. Yeah. So we, people know, and I would say that people understand that we're going to say the Bible is the highest authority. That's how you and I believe, and we feel that to be truth, and we, we believe that to be truth even based on Scripture. Uh, but we're going to break down some of these. Sure. We're going to break down some of these a little bit more to address them. And, and, and we're not going to be able to go in-depth on all of them, but but let's start with tradition. That's mm-hmm. the first one you start with, but let's start with tradition because this is a, a huge debate in churches and generationally it can be a debate in all these yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. Now, Jesus in Mark chapter seven, yeah. we see that he criticizes human tradition,
1: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And we're not gonna, I'm not gonna go too much into that in Mark chapter seven. We understand that because a lot of society likes to criticize human tradition and mm-hmm. so they already have that. We kind of already have that one down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what is surprising is that there are what we would say traditions from the Bible that are affirmed. And let's go to 1 Corinthians eleven two. If you'll if you'll open there to 1 Corinthians eleven two, uh, 11, chapter eleven verse two, uh, Frank, and read that to us. First
1: mm-hmm.
0: Corinthians chapter eleven verse two.
1: Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you.
0: So here in this text, Paul says that um, it's good that they're keeping. So give, so 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 Frank, break this down for people. How in one part of the Bible there can be a condemnation of traditions, and and then Paul now is affirming traditions, and and delineate between the two the two formats in which Jesus is speaking and now Paul is speaking, and if, if he can.
1: Well sometimes we have the idea that traditions in and of itself are bad and I think we have we have to be fair when we talk about tradition not everything that is connected to tradition is is evil or is bad necessarily. Tradition actually helps us to connect us to our past. Tradition helps us to to transmit values that are important to us. Tradition helps us to give structure to daily routines and things. So all that is good. It's not bad to have traditions.
0: And would you say there are traditions that are actually from the Bible that we would refer to as traditions, but they are biblical principles? Here,
1: here, here we come now to, to, to the crux of the, the matter. There are some things that God has initiated, mm-hmm. that he has given us, And where he has commanded us to observe that and to do it and to practice it. Now, whenever we do observe something and practice something on a regular basis, it's a tradition. Communion. Communion service, yeah, or the Sabbath for that matter. It's a biblical tradition. Yeah. Then uh, traditions also, uh, these are traditions that are biblically grounded. And I think Paul talks about that because God has revealed something to him. And he says, make sure that the believers follow what I've told you. And so uh, they should keep that tradition. But if that tradition then becomes a norm in and of itself, where it generates a life independent of what God has said, Mm. and where the... the the pure performance of the tradition Mm. becomes more important Mm -hmm. than the initial reason for the tradition, Mm -hmm. then tradition goes astray. And over time, traditions tend to grow and get bigger and larger, and to add things that are not necessarily uh, divinely given. And these additional things, these human traditions, Uh, then uh, gain uh, an independence and a life of their own. And they gain um, a standing that is almost as authoritative yeah. as, uh, as anything else. And I think that is the problem that Jesus addresses in Mark 7 and in other places where he uh, talks about the traditions of the elders. Now, these are not God's traditions. Yeah. But here were pious, religious men and they would add to what God has said additional things. Yeah. And these additional things, let's say, let's go with the Sabbath. You know, yeah. God gave the Sabbath, He commanded to keep the Sabbath. Yeah. He told us that this is something that we should follow. Mm-hmm. But then, over time in Judaism, they developed additional traditions yeah. about the Sabbath.
0: Just as we have.
1: Just as we have. And they had more than 600 laws that would. Regulate mm-hmm. in minute detail what to do on the Sabbath and what not to do, and, and uh, they, they wanted to protect the law. Mm-hmm. But these additional laws would become even more important. Yeah. Their motivation they, was correct. And the motivation, the and initial. And even
0: some of the traditions might have been good at the beginning. Yes.
1: Right? yes. But they
0: became bad when they were placed above the standard of yes. the Bible. Yes. Right? Yeah. So give an example, Frank. Give some examples in our. Cultural context of think of ways we've done this in 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 our in the Adventist community. <laughs>
1: um, well, let me let me give you an example from um, from the country where I originally come from. Yeah. it's a faraway country, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I can talk about it. And uh, let's say in in Germany, in the Adventist Church, we have a tradition that before the sermon starts and before the preacher goes to the pulpit, the preacher and the elders on the platform would kneel and have a silent prayer. Okay. And in that silent prayer, they would ask God for guidance and commit themselves to God. And it's a nice and good tradition. Yeah. But it's a tradition that is nowhere commanded in Scripture that I, I'm aware of yeah. or, or that is, uh, it's not in opposition to what the Bible tells yes. us. But it's a human tradition. Yeah. Or uh, in, in some of our churches in Germany, we had the custom to, at the end of the service, we would sing the doxology. And we had one particular song that, that we would sing every Sabbath, and mm-hmm. the same song every Sabbath. And it became a tradition to the point that when people wanted to change the song and sing another beautiful song, it, it, was, uh, it was an offense. Anathema. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, so, so what you're saying, and this is good for us to understand, because there are some people who say, oh, I hate all traditions. No, we all have traditions. We all have them. Mm-hmm. And the tradition of the elders kneeling down and praying with the pastor before sw- silently before mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. preaches mm-hmm. or she preaches uh, is not uh, a bad thing. But it would be bad if you came, say, to Spencerville, and I don't do that, and then you harangued me about it all the time, and it wounded this. Rela- <laughs> right, that would be putting the pr- yes. tradition yes. Above, yes. Yes. above, the principles of the Bible. That's what you're yes. talking about, right? Yes,
1: yes, yeah, that That's what I'm talking. In fact, this morning I was reading in uh, in Galatians in chapter five, and and Paul is talking about. Um, People who stir up uh, the members there and bring in traditions mm-hmm. and uh, circumcision and, and other things, you know, and and he says um, that uh, we should be careful. He says how we talk to each other, so that um, that when we have different opinions on these things, he says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Mm. You know, and that's. That's so easily uh, what takes place. You know, We have strong opinions on some things, and then we pick and we bite and we devour on the, the other yeah. person, and then we have to be careful that we are not consumed by that yeah. because the devil can quickly take over
0: and uh, stir emotions in us that are not holy. That's the negative side of tradition, but the positive side of tradition is that traditions can help us to... in. They grow out of our understanding of Scripture, and they help us to affirm certain things about our understanding, and that's the positive side of Scripture, right? Yes, and they, they teach us what is important. Yeah.
1: So in keeping the Sabbath, we show that the Sabbath is important, yeah. and that it is meaningful, and that God has, uh, has instituted the Sabbath. Well, th-
0: this might seem odd, but, but in my home, uh, Christine and I, with our boys, we most often, on Friday nights, have breakfast. We have pancakes and mm-hmm. applesauce and peanut butter mm-hmm. and uh, strippers. A family tradition. As family. It's, it's, in her home, she was raised uh, that they would always have burritos and Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And in my home, uh, we didn't have any traditions. We were very, <laughs> we, were, we were a little bit nominal at the time. But, but, so in our home, we brought this in. But we have that tradition because we're trying to teach the kids that Sabbath is different, special and it's special, yes and it's a joy. yes it's a delight
1: and it's a wonderful it's a wonderful illustration, but if that if that pancake tradition would become so important, yes. you know that this becomes the norm for being a
0: right Adventist or not that'd be the wrong Let's thing. something. Yes So tradition is good as long as it affirms what is done but never overtakes it yes. it'd be it'd be wrong too if like one of my sons when they get married go into their home and the wife doesn't make breakfast and he says you're a sabbath breaker <laughs> right that's, that'd be going yeah, too yeah, far yeah. so so this is what we're, we're talking about so there's a negative and a positive to traditions and it's all about uh, and they traditions help to shape our beliefs because that's what we're talking about is how these things help mm-hmm, to shape mm-hmm, our beliefs mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but they should not become the determinative, the normative for the beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's what we're saying, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, let's move on because this is, this is just such a great lesson all the way through. Now we go to experience. I don't have a ton on experience because, like, I don't trust my experiences. I had a lot of bad experiences <laughs> as a kid. So I don't trust uh, those things a lot. But, but I do think that there is a, a good thing you say. Um, we should be on guard to make sure that even our experience is always in harmony with the word of God and does not contradict the clear teachings of the Bible. And then, what it, why is it crucial that we always test our experience through the Word of God? Why is it crucial that we well, always Well, that's,
1: that's test? important. You know, experience, again, is not something bad in and of itself. Yeah. God has created us that way. He has created us with the ability to experience things. To experience love is something important and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, to experience the joy of salvation mm-hmm. and the joy of being forgiven. And uh, redeemed by Jesus, we need to experience that. And I hope everyone has that experience, yes. that Christian experience, because if you are lacking that, you, you're, you're missing sour, out on, on something uh, most beautiful, you yeah. know. But if you make your Christian experience the norm, that then shapes everything else. Your experience has gone wrong, and uh, I see that with uh, some um, some Christian groups where a certain experience, let's say, speaking in tongues, that's a religious experience, becomes the norm. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you can't be a a proper Christian. Or...
0: Well, we say it also like this. Uh, um, Someone... So at Spencerville, we have a certain style of worship. And if someone came here and said... One, maybe someone would come here and say, oh, those people aren't really worshiping because... We're not too verbose in our in our worship. But on the other hand, if we were to go into another culture and say, well, because they're not there's not the form and the structure that 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 experience is not, would this be they deny the value of worship in another based on their experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the and same? It, or?
1: Well, and sometimes you know we we uh, we like certain experiences, yeah. and then these experiences gain a, a, a status and a level of authority yeah. that uh, maybe is more than than really what is needed, and so that that might be a challenge too. Um, I keep going. Oh
0: well, like there. Answers.
1: You know, I had another interesting. Um, uh, experience <laughs> once when I was a student, I had a. Tell a pro- us about
0: your experiences. We talk about experiences.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, and I had a professor, and he told us the experience that he had uh, a problem with his knee, and, and uh, he had some pain, and he went to the doctors, and nobody could heal him, and he attended a, a certain college uh, at the West Coast, and uh, one of the teachers there, it's a non-Adventist. Uh, um, School mm-hmm. um, taught a, a whole class on healing ministry, signs and wonders. Yeah. And so uh, one one day when he came to class, you know, the the professor said, "Well, God has shown me that somebody is here who um, who needs some healing, and the person should come forward to, to be healed." You know, and he was very skeptical yeah, and yeah. very. And finally, he, he nobody went. You know, he thought, "Well, maybe he he talks about me," and he went up front and. And uh, they laid hands on him and prayed for him and the next day he could jog, he could do sports and the pain was gone and nothing else could help. And that experience really changed his thinking on these supernatural signs and wonders and the type of ministry. And so the the experience of experiencing something had a significant change for his theology. Like you started to believe that miracles can happen. H- yes, yes,
0: that was a good thing. Well, in, 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 some, this ways. in <laughs> some ways, <yes. laughs> in this instance. But, but it's uh, the other way around. It's the other. It's the person who, 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 pays money and then to some you know scoundrel <laughs> preacher, and the, then they're healed, and then they think <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that's, that's, that's the way another I'm gonna experience, do it. yeah. So you got to test it by scripture. Yeah, both ways. Yeah, you
1: have to be tested by scripture. It's a. It's very interesting. And uh, not every healing that we seek might be healing that we receive. Yeah. You know, That's another story, yeah. but uh, that will be for another time. We'll save time. that for another <laughs> lesson.
0: Because <laughs> I want to go to culture, because culture is very okay. interesting to me. Uh, I love this. You guys put this in the very first paragraph on page 33 of the standard edition. Ours is 47. Much of the Old Testament is a story of ancient Israel being corrupted by the culture around it. And then you have this question, which is so important for us. What makes us think that we today are any different or better?
1: Good question. (laughs) It's a good question.
0: You guys gave a good question. I mean, we read the Bible, and we see that Israel is, is constantly impacted by their culture. And yet, we somehow look upon it. We read the Old Testament, and we think, man, these people are just dumb. And yet, when we come to our things where we start to have questions... Somehow it's not our culture, it's just that we're smarter than they were. Yeah, and we think that, that
1: our culture is better. You know, it, it makes, uh, gives us a feeling of superiority yeah. and this is very dangerous. No culture is superior to any other culture and no culture, no culture, not even the Western culture, no culture is completely free from sin. Yeah. Everyone is affected by that and needs redemption and therefore we need the Word of God to help us to um, to challenge culture yeah. in a way to create a, counter, a counter culture a <laughs> counterculture a biblical counterculture that that
0: will help us to live according to the word of god let's let's go to first john and look at that text first john chapter 2 first john chapter 2 and we're going to be in verses 15 um, through 17. You have it there? Yeah, should Go I ahead. read it? Yes.
1: 1 John two fifteen, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves
0: the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay, let's pause right there. Give context to what it means by love in this. Because I do love this world i love the people of the world you know so explain give context right there well uh he
1: is not talking about that we should hate the people around us yeah. uh, but if you love somebody you give priority to that person yeah, yeah. that person has special meaning and so we should not elevate the the things in this world to a level
0: that puts god into second place we should not elevate the philosophies the culture of this world that was that would Take priority over. Yeah. Okay. For, go ahead, verse 16. For
1: all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. Here he defines what world is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not the people. It's the desires of the eyes and the desires of the flesh. Yeah. And the world is passing away along with its desires but
0: whoever does the will of God abides forever. So in this idea how can we live in a world and yet have a wor- and not have a worldly mindset right there the last line is the answer right whoever does the will of god abides forever mm. but but how do we know the will of god let's go back to what this whole thing's about well we know the will of god through the bible through the scripture through the scriptures that would mean this is talking about culture do not love the world the culture the things of the world the desires of the eyes desires mm-hmm, of the flesh mm-hmm. Um, but but love the things of God so it's telling us very clearly that to do the will of God then culture can't be our dictation it has to be the will of the scriptures that's where that comes from right yeah
1: and I think sometimes the danger is or the the attraction is that we just adapt to the culture around us Mm -hmm. and if we just adopt to the culture around us we will assimilate to the culture around us and we will no, no longer be um be seen as different yeah in a, in a positive sense as contributing something that people otherwise would not have uh and i think that uh then we lose out as christians uh if we just
0: become like everybody else yeah now there's positives to culture, and as culture develops, there's positives. Oh,
1: oh absolutely! A culture is is beautiful. It's something wonderful. God has created us that way. Culture is 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 a um, product of our human creativity. So you have the arts, you have music, you have um, you have literature, you have. Uh, th- even traditions, cultural yeah. traditions that are, great. That are created, yeah. that, that are great and enrich
0: our life in, in many ways. But there's even, let me, let me take it even a step further, there's, there's cultural ideas that, that as history goes along that are interesting and that, that we would say we more align with as, let me just give an example mm-hmm. for you and I, Frank, you wrote uh, another book, or you did some editing mm-hmm. writing on mm-hmm. another book about the role of Seventh-day Adventists in regards to military, mm-hmm. right, and service and, and the war. <laughs> I would say that you and I are, are more on the anti-war pacifist side. Mm-hmm. We would say that these things, we think these things align with, with the overall principles and teachings of scripture, mm-hmm. turn the other cheek, mm-hmm. all this, mm-hmm. don't take life, mm-hmm. various things. The problem is, is, we could then align ourselves with, say, the culture of a specific party, mm-hmm. political movement, mm-hmm. and embrace that whole culture because of a particular belief. Mm-hmm. You guys actually say some aspects of our culture might align very nicely with our faith, but we must always be careful between, distinguish between the two. Yes. Speak to this.
1: Well, and sometimes uh, culture and faith is so intertwined that you think it's almost identical. Yeah. And you have religious symbols connected with cultural uh, traditions. Yeah. You have religious images and, and even word words that, that are so ingrained that we see a secular symbol and we think that uh, yeah. has a religious meaning. And uh, whenever that takes place, then uh, the danger is there easily that uh, you become very nationalistic in your thinking Mm -hmm. and uh, that you elevate, let's say, your particular country or your allegiance to whatever uh, allegiance uh, needs to be given to the point where um, we place that on a higher level than
0: God himself and his word. Yeah, it's, it's, and I might get myself in trouble here, but I'm gonna say it anyways, Uh, you'll hear in, my, in, our, in, in the country we live in now, you'll hear people say, and I don't know if they do this in other, I'd love to know if they do this in other countries, but in our country, you'll hear Republicans say, I don't know how you can be a Christian and still be a Democrat. And you'll hear Democrats say, I don't know how you can be a Christian and still be a Republican, because they've both taken parts of culture and elevated them to such a point that they've aligned themselves with total philosophies rather than as each issue comes, testing
1: against scripture. And rather than identifying either with Republicans or Democrats on various issues, I think we would do well to to see what Republicans and Democrats have in common with the Bible or not. And test it all by scripture. And test it all by scripture. And we'll find that there are some things that scripture criticizes with the Democrats and some things scripture de- criticizes with the Republicans and we have to go by scripture rather than by
0: a political party. Do they do that in your country too? Uh, we,
1: we don't have the same political setting there but the, the same challenge is there Charities as well.
0: So, so again, it's, it's test your culture because you and I aren't saying that every idea and everything that is in culture is wrong and some of those things are good in, in, in some aspects of their, we, we would say, caring for the earth, the environmental movement. Some of these things are good. But we should test everything, not aligned to anything but this. Yes, yes. Not yes. aligned to anything I agree, this. I agree. Okay. Sorry, I got off a little there. No, no. Uh, um, let's talk about, within culture, how our, I'm going to read a quote from Council counsel of the parents and teachers from Ellen White. The followers mm-hmm. of Christ are to be separate from the world in principles and interests, but they are not to isolate themselves from the world. The Savior mingled constantly with men, not to encourage them in anything that was not in accordance with God's will, but to up, uplift and ennoble them. Here's, here I, when I read that, that statement, I was challenged by this, is that I think most Christians would agree that we need to have biblical principles or you know at least they would Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. that logically whether Mm -hmm. they actually live by that or not we would say Mm -hmm. that but where we struggle is our interests and she says principles and interests and what ends up happening is our problem is is our interests start to drive our principles Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, would mm -hmm. you say that yeah yeah
1: and actually i like that uh, quotation because to me um, she uh, she demonstrates a, a, a beautiful balance. You have some people who, who are so anti um, this world that they completely withdraw. Yeah. you know the Amish or uh, some of these yeah, yeah. Uh, faith communities. You sometimes get the impression, and um, and here she says, you know, we are to separate from the world in principles and interests. And it's not just the principles, but also, where is my interest in, in pursuing this or that? Yeah. And at the same time, she encourages us to, um, to mingle with the people yeah. and not to withdraw. Yeah. So we, 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 we are not called to be um, monks you know, yeah. in isolation <laughs> and have no contact with the world around us, but we need to mingle, we need to win the people, and we need to, to know how the people think yeah. and what drives them. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't reach them
0: properly. Yeah. And, and the mingling, though, here's, here's the thing, is because you'll have younger Christians saying, oh, it's good for me to go here because I'm mingling. The mingling, though, is one of the keys is that Jesus always mingled with a purpose yes. of elevating yes. the situation. Because yes. we want to be careful because no, uh, yes. I think young Thank Christians you always yes, say, yes, yeah. like, oh, well, I could go to this party because I'm going to be a good
1: example and <laughs> yada, yada, yada now we should be careful not to put ourselves in dangerous uh, situations yeah.
0: and jesus did he, he he sought to elevate he sought to elevate you know from my past history which was had its issues i still am friends with a number of those people and when i go back to the places i used to live i will oftentimes go with them certain places and and they'll be drinking and various things and to a point then I'll leave, you know? There's a point where no longer I'm going to be able to be a witness because they've become so inebriated or whatever. And it, it is really important
1: be. that you are sensible to that and uh, that we are sensitive to that yeah. because uh, otherwise you lose out and you are drawn into something yeah, yeah, yeah. that then will affect you negatively.
0: It's, it's not an either or because it used to be that like I wouldn't go around them because oh no, like they're bad, they're doing bad things mm-hmm. so I don't want to associate mm-hmm. with them. But it's also don't hang on so long. No, it's, it's like does. have that balance, yeah. right? Yeah. We, yeah. we want to have that balance. And 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 still be in those those aspects, but we also have to have that balance of the principles and the, and the interests, and I think that's important for, mm-hmm. for some aspects of our of our lives. Now, let's go to reason. Um, and what I liked is Second Corinthians chapter ten verse five. I want to yeah. yeah. point something out in this. And Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse five. And I want to make a comment on this because I think sometimes we, as Christians, maybe that are fully convicted in a certain way, we speak of other people's opinions in a disrespectful way, in a um, derogatory way. And and look at what Paul, if you'll read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 there.
1: He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey
0: Christ. So some of these, the reasoning that is out there and some of the philosophies that are out there, Paul refers to them as lofty, right? There's some (laughs) intrigue to them, there's. Oh, yes. Val, uh, there would be perceived value or... or yes,
1: and you get uh, admiration for that and uh, feedback and does something to you.
0: So, so for us to have this idea, we put ourselves on dangerous ground, we start to think that like, oh, they're just, those people are so dumb, they can't see the truth, you know, they can't see the, the forest through the trees, right? It, yeah. Paul has a respect for those that disagree with him.
1: And, and Paul is not anti-intellectual. Yeah. And the Bible is not either. And God is not. He, Such he, a good point. He has given us reasoning powers. He has given us the ability to think. Mm-hmm. And we should use that. We don't want to have a faith that is unreasonable, yeah. do we? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. We want to have a reasonable faith. So we have, we have every, every reason to believe, you know. So um, it's not that we have to sacrifice our uh, reason. I would say we should sanctify our reason, that is really the challenge, that we bring it into obedience in everything to obedience to the Word of God, as Paul indicated in in 2 Corinthians 10.5. That is the challenge. So it's not that we are not thinking as Christians anymore, no, we we have to think. Reason in the Bible is never an autonomous reason, independent yeah. from the Creator God. And therefore, we reason properly and correctly only when we allow our reason to be shaped by the Word of God and by, by what uh, the Bible tells us.
0: Even uh, so, furthermore, the fact that God is our Creator indicates that, biblically speaking, our human reason is not created as something that functions in- independently or autonomously of God, rather the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, yeah. so the scriptures, again, we come back to this idea that the scriptures should influence our reason. Yes,
1: now let me, let me, um, you know, this, this reason we sometimes attempted to think, oh, this is just something for the liberals, you know, the, because liberal scholars and theology mm-hmm. has elevated human reason to yeah. the level where human reason became the norm for what could be true or not, and now uh, you explain to me, humanly speaking, uh, miracles and uh, supernatural things yeah. doesn't make sense. So out they go. But this is something that is not just a challenge to the liberals.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, uh, let's let's be you know let's be specific to to our setting in our church uh, yeah. here. We have several members, so-called conservative members. Mm-hmm who are just as much in danger of elevating human reason over scripture mm-hmm. as the liberals on the other side. One particular um, one particular hot potato is the Trinity. Yeah. Now you take the Trinity and you explain to me rationally how three can be one. And we are lost. Yeah. And this is something that no human being would ever come up with. Yeah, yeah. But we find indicators in the Bible that tell us that God is one and that there is only one God and that Jesus Christ is God and is divine and that the Holy Spirit was put by the biblical writers on the same level as God. And we have to conclude there are three in one yeah. and one in three. Now, how, how do we explain that? We can't, because it's a divine mystery. It's the nature of God. If I could explain that to you in every detail, yeah. I would be God. And the conservatives
0: <laughs> are reasoning it away.
1: And, and so you have, you have those, you know, and those who make reason the norm either come up and say, okay, there cannot be any trinity, mm-hmm. and they solve it rationally this mm-hmm. way, or they become Unitarians, you know, or uh, yeah. uh, deny the, the Trinity. Or, uh, and you do that with all kinds of other things in the scriptures as well. You know, you have, you have um, challenges that we humanly cannot really explain to the in, in, in every detail. So you have, um, you have God's sovereignty and his ability to predetermine things and yeah. to, to know the future. And then you have human freedom on the other hand, now how do you, how how do you square human freedom with God's uh, all knowledge, His omnipotence, yeah. and 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 either either you you go with the human freedom, then God doesn't know anything yeah. or everything, or you go with uh, God's sovereignty and His uh, omnipotence, and then you don't have any human freedom, yeah. and we see we lose out. On clear statements that we find in Scripture. And yeah. we have to hold that together yeah. rather than to divide that. Yeah. And I could list uh, a number of other things as well. So when we make reason the norm, then we are in danger no of. No matter what
0: side you're on, left or, or
1: right. No matter what side you're on, yeah. you know. And sometimes the most conservatives you
0: know, yeah.
1: are tempted to use reason as a final norm for what can be with God and what not. Yeah. And, uh, and here we have to say no, we have to be humble enough to see that yes, we deal when we come to the nature of God with a mystery that is beyond our human comprehension. We can know that it is true. Mm -hmm. We can know that God is love. We can know what he has revealed, Mm -hmm. but we will never be in a position
0: to explain everything in detail. And there's a balance there because there's some things we just cannot fully put into human words to explain. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus said there's more that I would but you're not ready to understand it. Yeah, I mean, so 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 we understand that there's things that are just above our our, yeah. our component. At the same time, I like what you said before, though, about that the Bible is not anti-intellect. No, because no. some Christians operate; they have a they embrace naivety. Oh, yes. And then they and then they get into conversations with someone who is reasonable. And and I don't mean reasonable in the sense that like I'm agreeable, but reasonable in mm-hmm. that they have. Strong intellect in that way, and they do two things. One is, one of two things happens: either their own faith is shaken, mm-hmm. or they make Christianity look like a foolish, oh yes, dumb religion. I, I remember sitting in a seminary class, and and uh, it was actually a doctoral, but I was allowed to take it, and I and I was not really paying attention one day, and all of a sudden, Dr. John Pauline called on me, and he asked me a question, and I said what I believed, and he said why. And I didn't know the answer because I hadn't read the material. And I said, well, because God says it. And he says, that's a horrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what he was saying is you're not using your, mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't studied it. Mm-hmm. We need to stay in the scripture so that there are things that we have to be willing to yeah, say. Yeah, we should
1: not be lazy. Yeah, there are everything. things
0: we have to be willing to say that is beyond my comprehension. Mm-hmm. But too often we do that in areas we could know. Yes. Because we're so scared of reason or whatever it may be.
1: But if you really love God and you really, um, then you love the Word. And it, it just, you know, you want to understand it more. You want to understand it deeper. Mm-hmm. You want to have to dig into that and, and gain a, a better understanding. Yes, there are things that are clear. Let's say, but the Bible is absolutely clear that God is love. Yeah. But will I ever, ever, understand the full dimension of that and what it means? No, even in eternity we will learn mm-hmm. and we'll be grateful and praise God for for things that we've never even thought about yeah. before. And yet a little child can fully know and understand that God is love. Yeah. And even the the greatest scholar can affirm the same thing and be baffled and amazed Mm -hmm. about the depth and the width and the height and the length (laughs) and everything that is uh, connected with God's love and with anything else in scripture as well.
0: So it's a both end. So don't run from reason.
1: Don't run from reason, no.
0: But but just have it influenced again by scripture. Yes. And that takes us to the last one, which is the Bible. and this, you guys have this line, it, it, it alone is a reliable norm for all matters of faith and practice. Uh, John chapter 5, the book of John, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read that. For if
1: you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words?
0: And then John chapter 7 and verse 38. I'll read that one. John. Whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus based his normative of his faith, like he's speaking here about faith and belief. And he's saying it all relies like the, well, I should not say it all it—it it is based upon the solidarity of scripture.
1: Yes, Jesus used the Bible, used scripture, in a way that you can tell that he um, did not just believe it, he was willing to live by it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference. Yeah. You, 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 can, you can intellectually believe that this is true, but it doesn't affect your living, your, your, your practical life. The, the devils know that God exists, James tells us, but it doesn't save them yeah. because they don't put their trust in in the words and in Jesus. And and so what we need to do is not just um, know the scriptures, that's one thing. Yes, we need to study it, but we need to be willing to to put our lives on the line. Yeah. <laughs> to put to, to be willing to say, I'll I'll really trust that word. You know, if you don't trust the Bible, if you don't trust these um, these statements in the scriptures, you will you will never have that faith experience. You know, if the Bible tells you, let's let's say, to pay tithe, a tenth of your income, yeah. because that is what God re- requires us to do. You know, you can understand that you. But if you don't start doing that, you will never get the blessing of it. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's what, I, what I see with scripture. How do we know? We have every reason. We've seen that prophecy has fulfilled itself. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen that there is, when we read scripture, there's this aroma of truth that, that appeals to us, that, that shows us who we really are that shows us in our true situation as human beings. And we see that the apostles, that Jesus, that the biblical writers put their trust in scripture, and that we have others who did the same and were blessed. And so all this together leads us to take the scriptures as, as the foundation of our
0: faith. What's interesting about that John 5 text, in John 5, you know, that if we believe the scriptures, you know, our faith is based on the scriptures, right? Just before it in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus deals with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about this as we were talking. She brings up cultural issues, Jews, Samaritans. Mm-hmm. She brings up uh, the, the Jesus brings up the experiential issues, mm-hmm. being married multiple times, mm-hmm, and now mm-hmm, living mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, a man. Mm-hmm. She even tries to reference scripture a little bit, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. In, inappropriately, mm-hmm. she does it based on reason, she's using mm-hmm. reason, mm-hmm. and Jesus breaks it all down, mm-hmm. and ultimately, spirit and truth, mm-hmm. that, that truth has and to... And it appeals to her. And it appeals to her. And she realizes there is really... He breaks really through all those things that are encumbrances to... Yes. Us. Yeah.
1: And once she, she realizes that, once, once she allows for that, yeah. she is touched. Yeah. and her life has changed to the point where she runs back to the village and, says, and tell, tells the people let me
0: tell you about a guy who <laughs> yes. told me everything about my life now,
1: and that that is the strongest evidence because you know people know you yeah. and and they see whether you you really mean it or not you know he doesn't and,
0: deny her experience he doesn't deny yeah. her culture but he cuts through all those and unveils what the scripture actually is teaching yeah. about yeah. what the yeah. Yeah. the water of life is what yes. the yes. the true bread is Frank, why don't you close us kind of on kind of on that illustration that that in regards to marriage is a great illustration for for this whole topic of of the Bible being the ultimate authority, but but how all these things play a part and we need to respect these things and keep them in the right balance. So yes, why yes. don't you why don't you close us with that?
1: Well, um Those who are married know the experience, and those who have fallen in love (laughs) know it as well. You know, if you love another person, you have all these different things that we talked about in place. Uh, Hopefully you have in the love an experience that you love the other person. So experience is part of, of that relationship, but hopefully it's not the only part of the relationship. If it's just the feeling, it will not last for long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should also have some good reasons to believe why you love that person mm-hmm. and why you think that person loves you and you should have some evidence for that, maybe some letters or yeah. some <laughs> notes that, that were written to you. Uh, but then the reasons in and of itself are, are never sufficient uh, enough for, for the entire Relationship, um, you will um, you will once you start dating and you start a family, you will start as you told us a, a little family tradition yeah. that will uh, remember meaningful moments in your life yeah. to keep them alive. And but, also,
0: you bring traditions from them. and you
1: bring traditions from different areas, so you create your own ways to 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 uh, to maintain that. But if the tradition becomes more important than your relationship. Then something gone wrong in, in 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 your in your friendship there, and and also cultural yes, you will express your love for uh, for your spouse uh, in cultural relevant ways that are meaningful, and uh, and yet if if the culture just f- dictates how you relate to each other. You will lose out on something important. So, so maybe that can illustrate uh, the things that we talked about, uh, about scripture and our faith to God, because that really is also a love relationship yeah. that we
0: exercise and practice. I would say you bring all those things. You bring your experience, you bring your culture, you bring your traditions, uh, you bring um, your reason all to a relationship. And within the meshing of that relationship, they must be balanced by something, right? They must be balanced ultimately by, hopefully, foundation of God in that, in that relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As we think about just every aspect of our theology, we are saying that experiences are good, reason is good, traditions are good, uh, culture even has its good parts. They all have to be balanced ultimately by that fifth component, which is the word of God. Mm-hmm. And the word of God should inform. inform every one of those. Everyone. And the moment that those start to inform the Word of God, we are relaxing, as we talked about last week, the the teachings of, of Scripture, right? That's what we're we're doing. Yes, yes, yes. It should not only
1: inform every area; it also should uh, have the opportunity to correct where needed. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. Uh, Because really, then, then the Bible has the power and the authority uh, to shape our lives
0: in different areas. We talk about uh, exegeting Scripture, but really, Scripture has to exegete us. Mm And and what we do is we exegete scripture and we say, okay, well, I think this means this, and so we start to change maybe what we think scripture means sometimes. You know, if we're a liberal on the on the exegetic side, but really, we, like that's what you're saying, is scripture should exegete our lives, yes. Yes. and then when there's a correction in it, yeah. change us and make yes. us new. Yeah. Yeah. which all good relationships do. That's, that's what marriage, that's right. a good that's marriage right. relationship. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's a yes. it's, it's, yes. it's that relationship. So. And you grow together. Well, that's good. Uh, we are so glad to have you here with us, and we hope you've enjoyed our discussion. We're going to be back next week for Lesson 5, and as long as we are going through this COVID-19 uh, and Frank oh. remains healthy and I remain healthy, pray for us. Yes, uh, We will continue to have these conversations and we hope that they continue to be a blessing to you. Don't forget to study for yourself yes. at home. Spend time in prayer, going over these things. Um, and also, we're physically distanced, but we can still be socially connected, so write to us and tell mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. if you have questions or, or comments on those as we get into later sessions. And share the word can, to those who yeah, might we, be interested. We too. can share with others. and yeah, we can maybe answer a couple questions I'm saying, even from uh, not too much but a little bit. But no,
1: but but share with, yeah. with those who might not be aware that that we have that discussion and so that they can follow us That'd on, good, on yeah. Facebook or
0: YouTube or wherever it's. It's another to be. good witness. so anyways. We're glad to have you with us and Frankie Frank, I almost called you Frankie. I don't know why. <laughs> Frank, thanks for probably having my pleasure They called that since your mom, yeah, right? No, yeah. <laughs> Frank, thanks for uh, for for being with us. And uh, I, I just thank you so much for uh, this quarterly. I've been so blessed personally and thank you I'm, for. Being I'm blessed to too this, and so. I enjoy our conversation. It's really nice. Good, yeah. thank you. God bless you.